every independent film is is just a you know one fire after another that you keep putting out and and, and you're you're barely holding on the entire time but it you <laughs> you finally get there Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In today's episode, tensions run high as the city attempts to desegregate its schools in director Daniel Adams' historical drama, The Walk. The film weaves together three story threads as an Irish cop, his bigoted 17-year-old daughter, and a young African-American student and her father are caught up in the turbulent court-ordered forced integration of the Boston school system in 1974. In addition to The Walk, Mr. Adams' directorial credits include the feature films An L.A. Minute, The Light Keepers, The Golden Boys, Primary Motive, and A Fool and His Money. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Adams shares insight into the making of The Walk with fellow director Alejandro Brujas. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Thank you for coming and thank you for having me here. It's my second time watching the, the movie. And as we were talking earlier, of course, you had to pick a Cuban for a movie about this particular moment <laughs> in U.S. history that I know, knew nothing about. That was very, I mean, I was, I had no clue. I was speechless. I couldn't believe it. Uh, well, I you're I a could. great filmmaker. I, though, I, so I guess, I guess I could. <laughs> but so, it was it was really interesting uh, for me to watch. And I want to ask you first: uh, where, when did you come up with this idea? Was it something that had been in your head since that moment? And and why now? Uh, some of my earliest childhood memories was dealing with this issue from. Uh, my perspective, the, my dad was a big civil rights activist and he was involved with, um, in Boston. We lived in, I grew up in Boston and, uh, he was on the mayor's, uh, com committee on civic unity and he was on, uh, he was the first white member of the New England chapter of the NAACP and so forth. And, uh, some of my earliest memories was because he was, one of the things he was working on was integrating the schools back then. I remember rocks being thrown through our window and uh, death threats on the phone and so on and so forth. It was so, although I, you know, didn't experience what the kids experienced, but uh, it was, it, it was always something, that, a subject that I always wanted to do. And um, my co-writer, George Powell, you know, knew that uh, I had that background. So he, uh, uh, he suggested the story and, and, you know, I just jumped on it because uh, it was, just something I could, I you know, could relive in a lot of ways, uh, even though I wasn't one of the, the kids on the bus. But that's uh, when, uh, like, how long, how long ago did you start working on this screenplay? Uh, probably, um, gosh, like uh, two year, two and a half years ago, three years ago. Uh, it was like it was right before. It was it was a, about six months before COVID hit. So, and uh, we were supposed to actually shoot in Boston. And it, it, we were supposed to shoot the end of 20 or the, uh, the end of the summer, 2020, because that's when it, yeah, actually everything took place. 
And then COVID hit, we got delayed. Um, and then because it was winter time, you couldn't shoot summer in Boston in the winter. So we, we moved to New Orleans, actually. So I don't know. I probably jumped ahead because this was probably... You didn't. You totally <laughs> didn't. I'm like... Sorry uh, about that. I'm very interested. Uh, when you start working on this story, how do you decide the point of view that you're going to be using to talk about this subject? Well, it's interesting because the, the first draft we thought, okay, it'll be the story about the the girl. It'll be about uh, Kate, the daughter, and she was. It was going to have a different ending. And then as we got into it, and we re, you know did the research and everything, we realized, no, she's the villain, and uh, and you know, because it just as you got into the, the culture in South Boston and everything, and she, she was a product of that. And you realize that that's, so that, that was sort of the genesis of it. It was originally her story and then it became her father's story and, uh, and so forth. And, and, uh, you know, Terrence Howard's story and his daughter, and it became this, these, these converging two stories instead of what we originally intended. So. So it's it's inspired on real events. Uh, how much uh, did you take uh, from reality? How do you mix uh, reality and fiction? And how do you tackle the responsibility when dealing with a subject like this? Well, uh, there are, uh, on that day in, you know, September 1974, that the first day of school, there was actually, uh, there were there were riots. And that's all, that's all true. Uh, And they were, I don't know if a cop got shot, but there was, there was a, a couple of stabbings. There was, uh, um, you know, it was just, it was horrendously bad. In fact, if you look at some of the footage that uh, when Terrence's character and, and Lovey, when they're sitting in the living room and they're watching TV, that's actual footage from 1974 and from some of the riots and some of the uh, street interviews and everything, it, it was... Uh, It really got out of hand. And what's interesting is it's the white kids that went to Roxbury and Mattapan, there was no problem whatsoever. Uh, it was only the black kids that were being bussed into South Boston and Charlestown. Uh, those were the, those were where the, the riots were. So it was just, just fascinating to me. Uh, I wonder why. The, okay, so... Talk to me a bit about the casting process. You have a great actors, great established actors. You have Malcolm McDowell, Terrence Howard, Jeremy Piven, and you have also a bunch of new faces. So tell me how do you cast a movie like this? You know, uh, partially um, I knew that Justin, who, who plays Bill, I really wanted him to play the role. So and I, I kind of I had fought fight for him quite a bit because uh, he is... He, he did a, he did an incredible job um, and so uh, we we sort of had to build a cast around uh, Justin and uh, you know I've I've uh, been spoiled over the years because I've all my other movies I've I've worked with some incredibly brilliant actors and uh, and uh, in fact John I think you're here somewhere he's Yeah, yeah. There's John Savage, who's worked with a couple of times, a couple of movies, two or three, I think. I can't remember. So I, I just just wanted that still main, to maintain that caliber actor. And uh, uh, we originally it was interesting because um, we, uh, you know, like all independent films, it's like it's a it's a roller coaster ride. And uh, 
Uh, originally, uh, it was going to be Harvey Keitel that was going to play the Malcolm McDowell role. <clears throat> and then literally a week before we started shooting that role, uh, Harvey fell out and... You were already shooting? We had, what's that? You were already in production? Yeah, we were, in, we were already shooting. And uh, he fell out and we, um, we uh, Malcolm was, uh, you know, a, a call and, and uh, he, he said yes and he had about five days to prepare. But that, and then, then a lot, a lot of uh, um, newcomers, um, uh, you know, the um, the actress that played uh, Justin's wife, Anastasia Matrunin, she was an incredible actor that um, seen on stage uh, a bunch of times. Uh, the kids, uh, Katie Douglas, she's sort of established. She actually does a. She's on a Netflix show. But she's she's an incredible actor, Lovey Simone, who um, you know the, and then the other kid, Lovey's an amazing actress too. But then there are um, some kids that it was their first time, and it was just through you know auditioning that you know came up with some uh, you know actors. I, I I like to, you know, I've I've studied all the different styles of acting, so um, as to, you know as a as a director and I, there are certain styles that I prefer as opposed to others. So, you know, through, through the casting process, you, you end up talking to them and seeing what they, you know, what their approach is. And, and, uh, I tend to lean toward those more imagination based actors as opposed to a emotional recall type actors and, and so forth. And so, uh, and with the kids, you know, they were all had, had some really great training. Um, and, uh, It was um, it was it was a process, but I, I think I lucked out with finding these kids. They were really great. So, They're fantastic, yeah. and it's very interesting that you were talking about that because usually, you know, for me, whenever you're working with actors, a, a huge part is like trying to figure out how they like the different schools and all that, and yeah. learning to talk to the to to them the way that they like to be directed. Were you ever like? Felt nervous about mixing these uh, new kids, uh, new young kids, uh, with all these uh, seasoned actors. Uh, a really great acting performance is about um, it's it's about your scene partner, um, which every actor will tell you. So, if you've got kids that it's their first time, uh, and you put them with really great seasoned actors, it raises everything up. It, it raises their performance. And then it's just a question of, you know, I, I rehearse a film like, like a play. Um, I mean, I know when you, we, it's a very condensed thing, but we, we did uh, rehearsals prior, a week or two prior to uh, shooting and um, got most everyone there, except for Malcolm, of course, because he was last minute. But, uh, but um, uh, I got everybody there uh, early, as, as many of them as I could, and we, we rehearsed it like a play. Um, and we started breaking it down, breaking down the characters and so forth. And I, 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 I do that every, every film. So, so in a way they're, they're very prepared, which is because you have such a short, uh, with a low budget film is, as you so know, that's a luxury. You're saying that. And I don't remember when was the last time I had time <laughs> uh, to yeah. rehearse. Yeah. 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 But if, if everybody knows, you know, who their character is, what the, and they're all prepared and they're ready to, ready to go, uh, before the first day of shooting, yeah. It goes a lot faster because you're not you're not trying to find something, you're you're you already found it. You know. So. I I agree. I don't I don't rehearse. What I do is I get them together and we talk and we talk. But yeah. I never 
like go over scenes or things like that, but um, uh, I like uh, everyone to feel like, uh, you know, it's not the, fir the first time they meet, it's not when they are on set. Um, but since you were talking about, uh, since you mentioned the independent movie uh, aspect so much, that's something I'm very curious about because like this kind of movie, sometimes it feels like it's disappearing, you know, like this complex ensemble drama about social issues. We don't see that many anymore. So how do you put together a movie like this? <sighs> and, yeah. and also... I have to say, when you were when you said it, uh, you started working the screenplay two and a half, three years ago. I'm very impressed. That's uh, that's not a lot of time from script to screen. Yeah, um, you just never give up. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you just you you know you you put. It's it's interesting because uh, you know when we. Uh, you know, I always do a film where we have distribution ahead of time. You you want to do that because you know it's it's a lot easier when you know the film's going to be released and so forth which by the way this one's june 10th uh that so. was my last question come on <laughs> oh okay sorry let me go in order <laughs> spoilers we should have, we should have talked beforehand but uh uh so yeah it's just but it's so so getting that together you know a lot of the trick is is getting actors that are acceptable to distributors you know and getting a foreign sales agent in early and so on and so forth but it's just it's always a slog and there's always up and downs and it's a roller coaster ride. And, you know, you know, one day you're making the film and the next day, Oh, you're not making the film. And then the next day, <laughs> so it's like, and you never know until, and you still don't know until everything's in the can. And then you don't know if you never know if you have enough for post. And, you know, I mean, yeah. it's all crazy. Yeah, it's so fun and not stressful. <laughs> uh, so tell me about the process of uh, scouting and recreating 70s out of Boston and planning for such a, a complex shoot in pandemic times. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, the, 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 COVID was a huge part of our budget, unfortunately. So um, it cut a few days of shooting out because of the COVID budget. But um, I, I lucked out in that, you know, we picked New Orleans because it looked, there were certain sections of it that looked uh, like the Garden District. Uh, there are certain parts of the Garden District that looked uh, like Boston. In fact, there's, there's a whole Irish section that looks like, uh, parts of it look like Southie and parts of it look like Roxbury. So... And we just, so, you know, I had gone there ahead of time and, and scouted it before we actually committed. And um, it just, luckily it's that, New Orleans was was easier. And then we, you know, we did we did some uh, Boston stuff, some second unit, but uh, it's, uh, but really lucked out as far as the city was concerned. We, you know, but it was, it, it was tough because it, no one told us that we were shooting in June and July when it was like the stormy season. Hey, it's yeah. the Caribbean. You should have talked to me. <laughs> I, I could have told you. That. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 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 I watched a movie and I was like, oh, yeah, the weather is changing. This is the Caribbean. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and of course, there's, there's a rule, you know, the, uh, if there's a lightning strike that uh, hits within seven miles, you have to shut down. The Jenny shuts down. The, and we have to wait. And then you have to wait. Uh, 30 minutes after the last lightning strike. And if there's another lightning strike within the 30 minutes, then you wait another 30 minutes and so on and so forth. And, and so we were delayed quite a bit. And so, and because of the weather and the rain and all that stuff, because of that time of year, we had to uh, do a lot of stuff green screen. We had to go into a, um, 
you know, half the bus stuff is, is in a studio half and a lot of the, all the car stuff is in a studio and, and everything. And then, um, you know, that just, just because of the weather, but otherwise we never would have made our days. So I'm going to teach you tricks about dealing with the Caribbean it weather next time. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm very good at that. Yeah. I can't yeah. stop the rain. <laughs> so let me ask you this. I'm very curious because of the subject uh, of the movie. Um, when you put your crew together, how important is to have diversity in that crew, not only in front of the camera, obviously, but behind? Yeah, well, both, but it, 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 it's very important to me. I mean, uh, and, and we did have a very diverse crew. Um, and, uh, that was, um, you know, one of, one of the goals in hiring people we, we also, it was tough because we, it, it was around that time when everybody thought COVID was over for about two weeks and we, we and then it hit again. And, and so we, uh, so all these movies, there were 22 movies being shot uh, all at once in Louisiana at the same time. And us being the little independent film, you know, we were, uh, you know, it, it was tough to compete against the, the, the big budget films um, to, uh, for, for a crew. But we, um, we lucked out. Uh, there's some, the, the keys that I got were really amazing. Our, our production designer, uh, it was his first production design job and he did, a great job. And then the, our DP, Don Fauntleroy came in and, uh, he's, he's just an old pro. He's been doing it for 40 years and, and that, that helped a lot, uh, as far as pacing and, uh, and, and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, we had, we had, a, we had a very diverse crew and, uh, pretty, pretty proud of that. So. So let's talk a bit about the visuals of the movie. Uh, what, uh, how do you achieve uh, the specific look? What was your idea going into? What, what did you want to do visually? Uh, well, okay, first of all, um, I sort of banned the color red. I, I didn't want that because uh, for a lot of, a lot of reasons. Um, I, I tend to, you know, I'm a, I'm a student of uh, gestalt psychology. I, you know, the, the study of how a visual how, uh, you know, it's a vision, a perception psychology. So you, you tend to, you, you want to build a, as you know, you build a, feel some of it's just intuitive and a lot, a lot of directors just do it intuitively, but I'm not. I, I <laughs> have to, but I, I wanted to create, um, a sort of a, a countervailing look from what's actually going on. I, because I, I, part of the theme of the film is, Uh, you know, it's not just about racism. It's really about change. It's about yeah. it's about how people deal with change. And you know, it's uh, the, you know, as the Dalai Lama said, the, you know, there's the only thing permanent in the world is impermanence. And and human suffering is always is is always about uh, um, the human humans. Um, not dealing with change, you know, and, and this is the essence of, of this, the, the fear that is based, that, that is the basis of racism, um, the fear and the ignorance. Um, and if, you know, they say, if, you know, if, if you just embrace uh, change in life, you'll, that's, that's the key to happiness. And so, So, I mean, to get back to your question, which was <laughs> way off base, but because of that, it, I wanted to create a, um, at least a visual 
look where this is normal and there's nothing, uh, you know, so it's why, um, the, the only red in the, in the, in the, um, in the film is, is the, is the blood at the end. And, uh, uh, there was there was uh, there was supposed to be also a Jeremy's jacket at the end was supposed to be red, but that was a that was a, a wardrobe issue. You know, <laughs> let's not go there. But <laughs> but uh, but that um, be, because I wanted uh, wanted this sense of I, I used uh, blues and yellows and greens, uh, and also because those were the colors that I thought would evoke uh, that era as well. So it, it it cut both ways, and that it was about it was about the this staid calm atmosphere that was being uh, that was being infiltrated, and then and then in addition to that, also the look of you know nineteen seventies Boston. I, I used um, there was an old Robert Mitchum film that I uh, uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle, and uh, the, that whole color palette really a- appealed to me. And so I, I used I used a lot of that, and uh, it was sort of as sort of an inspiration. But. I'm gonna since since you took a detour to talk about change and all that, I have to say when I watched uh, that scene when they are all getting the news to which college they are being sent to and all that, and everyone seems to be freaking out. I was like, how could something like this happen? And uh, and you know it's um, well. I think it's it's uh, well, we were talking earlier how it's uh, thematically something that still happens, but you know it was very impressive. I was like, is this something real? Was it like that? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, in a lot of ways, it was it was as bad, if if not worse. I mean, I I, I really felt for those kids that were being bussed into uh, in, into uh, South Boston, and it was a horrific experience. And actually, my co-writer. Uh, his uh, sister was one of the kids on the bus that was being bused from Mattapan into South Boston. She she came home with with you know um, glass in her hair and everything, but from you know smashed windows and it was, it was a pretty horrific uh, uh, situation for her. So, but uh, how long was the shoot? We did about twenty to twenty one days. I can't even remember. We were we were. We were we were uh, scheduled for 18 and then we we went over cuz just cuz of all the delays and the the uh the you know a lot of the uh, luckily we didn't have any covid delays but we did we did uh, have a lot of weather delays so we we Sorry. some days we didn't make our days and we had to go over and we we went about 2 3 days over so well, still, I mean, 20 days for a movie like this, an ensemble piece with so many different storylines, so many characters, it's uh, like very impressive. Uh, how was that? How, are, are you, did you recover? It seems uh, very challenging. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it was a relief to finally get it in the can. It was, it was such a slog and it was, um, you know, it, it was... Um, but then again, you know, every independent film is every film. yeah. Every every independent film is is just a um, you know one fire after another that you keep putting out, and 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 you're you're barely holding on the entire time. But it you <laughs> you finally get there, you know, and you wonder how you did it, and it's still a blur. Yeah, twenty days is not enough. I mean, at some point, you get like being tired becomes your your state, your normal <laughs> state. But twenty days is not enough. Right. Uh, I want to I want to know for you what was the most challenging scene to shoot technically, 
And the most challenging scene personally, emotionally? Gosh, well, um, the, the, the riot was, was pretty complex and we shot it over uh, three days. And so half like the scenes inside the bus, uh, they, they were uh, in a studio and then we had, uh, of course, we, then we did the exteriors outside and then, uh, and then there were two different schools we shot at and, uh, and uh, the reverse was on the bus was different than the, the other side of the bus. I mean, it was just, so it was, it was really complex and, you know, as a director, you're the only one that yeah. is, <laughs> everybody else is like, didn't, didn't you get that shot? Or, no, no, we yeah, got what it. What are it's we fine. doing? Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> so, so yeah. So, you know, obviously to keep that all straight was, was, was an interesting uh, task, but you know, so that, that was, that was tough. I mean, uh, Emotionally, I think the other thing is uh, there were there were we had to do thirty pages in three days inside the house, and luckily the three actors, uh, you know, Anastasia, uh, Justin, and Katie, who played Kate, uh, were like just consummate professionals. And plus the fact that we rehearsed so much prior, all, all three of them were there for the rehearsal period when we, uh, you know, prior to shooting. So. Uh, we we had it down, and we only we had to pick up only one shot. That was it, and and we got that uh, the next day uh, when we were at a different location. But um, but yeah, it was it was it was ridiculous, uh, and and but everyone just pulled together, and we just we just got it done. It was thirty pages. So, but but I guess in, in TV they do that all the time, right? So. Yeah, it's still 30 pages. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, let me quickly go uh, to the editing uh, process. Uh, did it, did, with such a complex story, did, did the screenplay change? Is there anything you dropped? Was I want to know, was that always the ending? Like going to black with the... Um, so, yeah, it was always the ending for me. The ending was really important because... The Kate reaches out to Wendy and tries to grab her hand and she pulls away. And then it's about what, what, what decision should, should, uh, Wendy make at the end. And the, the distributors wanted the two girls to hold hands at the end. And I said, absolutely not. It's, it's not that simple. I mean, it's, 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 it's you know, and, and I want people to go to leave the, the theater and think what should she do you know and because uh it's it's not with after you know centuries of racism and and inequality and it, it, the solution is not that it's not that simple and so it's really important that they not hold hands at the end that it's just a it's left it's left um unanswered and and open Um, because that's, that's the question that we wanted, you know, wanted to raise with the film. And, uh, so, so it was always that way for me, but, um, uh, you know, there was of course pressure to get, Did you had to shoot shot. it to have it uh, just in case. Well, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> we shot it both ways, okay. but I always knew that, uh, that, you know, um, yeah. the second way was not going to happen. And, um, But you know, it's, I, I I saw you know as, as a director, you you know you you see everything in your head yeah. and try and you know 
you know, just people don't see what you see. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's difficult sometimes. <laughs> I think uh, we're almost uh, done. So uh, tell me, I've, I've seen that the movie has been playing a lot of festivals and doing really well. So congratulations. And what's it in the future and when and where can we see it? Oh, well, it, okay. So first it's, it's going to, it's opening June 10th. Um, and it just so happens we're, we're the opening night film at Dances with Films, which is June 9th. So that's going to be sort of our premiere. And then it opens in theaters and VOD. It's a day and date, um, on, on the, the next day on June 10th. And, uh, and then, um, you know, we're, I'm, you know, of course I'm always, I just finished the screenplay for the next one. <laughs> Um, as you know but uh in three years uh, yeah. <laughs> you're doing this really fast yeah yeah but uh but yeah that's so it opens and hoping hoping it does well hoping it it you know it it creates a discussion i mean it's certainly uh, you know everyone says oh it's such a timely film but the the tragedy of it is, is it's always timely and um you know we just you know this this country uh You, you know, we've, there's, there's an original sin of, of that, that we've never been able to, uh, um, to overcome. And, uh, you know, we just have to keep making films and, and having this discussion about, uh, you know, about the, the issues because otherwise, you know, uh, we, we just can't let it rest. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a theme that has to be, you know, it's, There you so, go. yeah. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. I was I was really surprised, and and thank you for that. I think we need more films like this. Thanks. And by the way, thank you. For, uh, timely. That was the word. Like well, I was like asking my wife, "What is the word?" <laughs> She's also Cuban. She, we didn't know. I was like looking for that word for days. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you very yeah, much. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Alice. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 